Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. COVID-19 is affecting everyone in the country. Many people are facing struggles right now that no one could have foreseen. Layoffs, loss of income, isolation, others find they're working longer and harder hours with lots of stress. No matter where you fit into this list, one thing is for certain, we need peace now more than ever. That's why Pastor Lynn is doing a series simply titled Peace. Join us for part five, Let Peace Rule in Your Heart. Here's Pastor Lynn. Uh, we want to thank you for joining with us. We uh, sincerely hope you're doing well. Uh, and there's new information that just kind of came out last night as far as a federal judge uh, issuing an order uh, allowing churches in North Carolina to meet back together. Uh, however, our leadership team will be meeting to talk more about that, our staff and leadership this week. Uh, it is suggested to do it with a social distancing, so don't expect uh, us to open up and just have everybody to come. Uh, we may do some things like some multiple services. We may do something to where we want to get you together just outside for a fellowship on the grounds first as we kind of ease back into things. But we will uh, share more with you about that later. But I know some of you may have heard that uh, on the news and, and wondered kind of what our plans will be. Uh, so uh, we've talked about it, but uh, we've got I talk about it more, and then we'll let you know uh, more also. Uh, we're continuing in a series that we started uh, kind of as a result of all this stuff taking place that we've called peace, um, because we want you to uh, experience peace, especially as believers, for you to experience peace. If you're not a believer, you can't really experience God's peace until you come to the point uh, that you invite him into your life, and we'll say more about that in just a few moments. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 12 through 17 today. So take your Bible and uh, turn there and get ready to join with us. The theme of today's message is this, uh, let peace rule your hearts. Let peace rule your hearts. So that's the main theme. But as we go through these scriptures, we're also going to talk about uh, being spiritually dressed. Uh, and you'll see why I say that in just a moment as we go through the passage of scripture. And we're going to talk about uh, what that looks like to be spiritually dressed. Uh, at the same time, uh, we're going to talk about the importance of what is inside of us spiritually, but because, guys, us being what God wants us to be involves more than just a, an outward show, uh, more than just the way we may put things on the outside of our, our life, actions, or, or attitudes. There needs to be something on the inside of us. Uh, let me illustrate that for a moment. Uh, do you realize you can dress up a fence post? I mean, you can go out here in the field where there's a fence post, and you can put a tuxedo on that fence post, but you know what? It's still just a fence post. You can go out in a field where there's a scarecrow located, and uh, you can put a tuxedo. You can dress that uh, scarecrow up as much as you want to in the finest clothing that you could possibly buy. But that scarecrow still has no life, no matter how much you dress up that scarecrow. 
All of us have been in department stores, um, not as much lately, but you've been in an apartment store before and you've been walked through a section in a department store and there's mannequins there and those mannequins can be dressed really, really nice, can have the fanciest clothes, the most expensive clothes you can buy on that mannequin because they're trying to attract you to think, hey, I, I, I need that clothing that the mannequin is wearing. But, but guys, no matter how great the clothing is, uh, no matter how great it looks on that mannequin, guess what? It's still just a mannequin. And it doesn't have any life inside of it. Now, now you may be asking yourself, what do I mean by that? And here's what I mean. Just by someone acting like a Christian, just by someone putting certain characteristics on the outside of their life, doesn't make them an authentic Christian unless they have a real relationship with Jesus in their life, in their heart. Unless they have really, truly trusted Christ as their Savior. It doesn't matter what all we put on the outside, that doesn't make us a Christian. Just having certain attitudes and actions that we display on the outside. You see, it's really important what is really in us, what is truly in us, not just putting on things on the outside of our lives. The, the truth is this, God wants to do something in us so that will naturally manifest itself on us or outside of our lives. And that's kind of what we'll be talking about today in the message. So uh, join with me in the Bible, Colossians 3. I told you where to turn just a moment ago in, in Colossians 3. Uh, something that's not on the screen, but before we start reading in verse 12, back up in verse 8, I'll allude to this later in the message. Uh, Paul also wrote this, but now you must... Uh, put them all away, talking about all the wrong attitudes that we had and actions that we had uh, before we came to faith in Christ. And, and then on down, in, <clears throat> as you come on down uh, later on in verse 9, uh, it, it says you have to put off the old self with its practices and you have to put on the, the new self. So what we're going to pick up on today is kind of talking about the new self. So look with me at verse 12. Put all then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with, thankfulness, with thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in these days, especially, but guys, really in all days, we who are Christians, we need to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, in our lives. We, we need to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts individually because it, it mentioned that there, but it also talked about we're called into one body. So we need to let the peace of, of Christ rule in our hearts corporately together as the church. So that's what we need to do. You as an individual, we as the church, those that know Christ as our Savior, we need to be letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. 
Uh, but if you're not a Christian, here's what you need to do. And I'll say this again before the message is over with. If you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to receive the peace of Christ by inviting him, the Prince of Peace, into your life by trusting in his finished work on the cross and following him. You need to, to do that if you've not done so. So in our scriptures today, I want us to, to notice how the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts will manifest itself both externally and internally in our lives. So uh, if, if you are looking at the guide that you have there, uh, I've got something right up here at the front. <laughs> Sandra is, is, is being a good helper, and she was taken off to uh, go get me some water. And I had some at the front, but I just forgot to bring it up here today. So she's trying to stay out of the camera. Did you notice how far she made me lean trying to? <clears throat> anyway. So guys, let's, let's walk through these scriptures today. So, so first of all, let, let's talk about uh, get spiritually dressed, how, how we as believers need to get or be spiritually dressed. And in this, we're more or less talking about the peace of Christ uh, externally ruling as we'll look at, at verse 12 through 14. So to start with, let's just look at this. I ask ourselves this question, you know, why get spiritually dressed? Why should we do that? Well, look what's said there in the very first part of verse 12. Put all then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I read a moment ago where you said we need to put off the old self. Uh, some commentators refer to the old self in this passage of Scripture as putting off the old grave clothes or that dead body of who we are before we had Christ as our Savior and His life came to live inside of us. So when you think about putting off the old grave clothes, not living like we used to, and instead He tells us we need to put on grace clothes. So we're kind of talking about the grace clothes of our life in Christ uh, today. Uh, and he's telling us because of who we are. Uh, put on then, put on therefore, some translations say, uh, as God's chosen one. In other words, because you're God's chosen one, you, you need to live like it and act like it. Now, some of you may have heard this phrase before. Uh, I know my wife has said this to our children multiple times over the years when they're heading out somewhere. And she would say this to them. Remember who you are and whose you are. Uh, you ever said that to your kids or your teenagers they are going out? Or uh, maybe you've heard someone say that to you, uh, trying to remind you, hey, remember who you are, remember whose you are. In other words, Becky was telling our kids, uh, remember you're our kids, but also remember whose you are, that you belong to Christ as your Savior, and let that affect the way that you act. Well, that's more or less what God is kindly uh, telling us here when he tells us to put on. Uh, he, he's telling us just to kind of sink into uh, clothing, invest in clothing. Uh, do so accordingly because you're God's chosen, because you've been selected by God, because you're God's elect, but because God through Christ has made you holy. He's made you sacred. He, he set you apart uh, to himself. He's made you blameless is what he's saying. Uh, because you are uh, his beloved. He, he's loved you uh, with the agape love, the God type of love. It's not a love you had to earn. It's a social moral type of love that God, by his grace, chose freely and volitionally to love you. So in other words, guys, the reason why we ought 
not to be spiritually dressed is this. Because God has called us, because God has chosen us, because God loves us, that's why we ought to dress spiritually. Because we're chosen and made holy, we ought to dress like our Father desires. Because we belong to God, because he bought us with the shed blood of his Son, we ought to be spiritually dressed. That's why we ought to be spiritually dressed. But then let's ask ourselves the second question. What does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to be spiritually dressed? And we're going to read a list here, and it's going to sound really uh, similar maybe a couple of weeks back. Uh, we looked at the fruits of the Spirit. So a lot of this is really similar uh, to what Paul wrote about there also in Corinthians about the, the fruits of the Spirit. But look what's said here. Uh, picking up in the second part of verse 12, after he tells us to put on them, he says this, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, so I want you to imagine these eight characteristics that we're going to go through uh, are like spiritual garments, spiritual uh, pieces of clothing that you're dressing yourself with. So let's walk through these fairly quickly. He mentioned compassion to start with, the garment of compassion. Uh, that literally means to have bowels of pity. Uh, I, I don't know how that would go in our culture. It meant something different in that day and time uh, in, in their way of thought, in the Jewish way of thought. Uh, if you go up to someone today and you're to tell them, I have bowels of pity toward you, they're probably going to want to walk away from you and not have a lot to say to you. And they're going to think you're really, really weird, you know, if you come up and do that. But it means to have bowels of, of pity or have tender mercy. And it talks about an inward sympathy or pity that you have toward other people, to have authentic compassion toward others. He said to put on this spiritual garment called kindness. And the word kindness there literally means usefulness in character or demeanor. So it's a type of kindness that's useful. It's a type of kindness that's beneficial toward others as we practice kindness uh, toward them. He told us to put on the spiritual garment of humility. And that means humiliation of your mind. It means having a modest attitude. Uh, it means to, uh, in humility, to be practicing sympathy toward others. So we're to wear humility as believers. The fourth spiritual garment he tells us to put on is meekness. And the word meekness there simply means a, a gentleness. And it's a gentleness connected to humility. So guys, if we're practicing humility, we're going to be less likely to be harsh with people, to be judgmental with people. If we're practicing humility, it'll be easier for us to practice gentleness toward them. And that's not weakness. Instead, think of it as power under control. The, the sixth garment that he tells, or the fifth garment, rather, he tells us to put on is patience, patience. Uh, it literally means forbearance. It means you put up with people kindly. It means that you're, you're long-tempered, and, and, and that doesn't mean you get mad and you hold on to your anger for a long time. It means the opposite. It means it takes a whole lot to make you mad a, as a believer. So that's a garment we need to put on as believers, patience. And then he said, bearing with one another. And this literally means to, to hold oneself up against uh, or put up with. It, it almost kind of gives the idea of this. There, there's someone that, that maybe because of the way they act or something they've done to you, you, you're not really thrilled about being around them. 
And yet, as a believer, you're willing to put up with them. You're even willing to be right up against them, to be uh, in their life, so to speak. And, and you're, you're, you're putting up with, with whatever may be going on, you're trying to help them. You, we're bearing with each other. We're putting up with each other. Uh, and then he, he, he tells us this also. We need to be forgiving each other. That's the seventh type of spiritual garment, so to speak, we're talking about. And forgiving each other means to grant as a favor. It means to uh, gratuitously uh, or with grace receive favor. It means to grant a pardon or even to rescue someone. And we're to do that in a reciprocal way with each other. So as you think about forgiving someone else, I think too often we do this. We think, well, you know, they don't really deserve forgiving. You know what? I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't deserve God's forgiveness. You don't deserve God's forgiveness. Guys, that's an act of grace. That's him forgiving us uh, as an act of grace. He, as a favor, granted forgiveness to us. And, and that's the way we need to view forgiving each other. Uh, and forgiving other people. We, we're not forgiving them because they earn it, because they deserve it. We're granting a favor to them. And the word even meant to rescue them. Think about this. Maybe you practice forgiveness towards someone that has wounded you and hurt you. As you forgive them, you're, you're rescuing them, so to speak. You're, you're, you're bringing them back into a, a, a relationship. And he, and he tells us we need, to, we need to be willing to forgive each other but, but he also added this to it. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Th that literally means just as. Just as Christ granted as a favor to us. Just as, as God through Christ as gratuitously as a grace favor has pardoned us or rescued us. In the same way, we must forgive, we must forgive others. Well, and, and someone might say, but I, but I don't like the way the person treated me, and I think I've got an occasion against them or an argument against them. Well, look what else he says. He, he says, if anyone has a complaint against another, you are to forgive. So it doesn't matter if you have a blame. It doesn't matter if you have a cause. It doesn't matter if there's a fault that the other person has against you. We are supposed to practice forgiveness toward them because Christ forgave us. That's the type of garment that we ought to wear as believers. And then the eighth spiritual garment is love. And he said this about love. He said, above all else, we're to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So guys, this last element of our, of our spiritual dress is something that's really, really important because he says, above all else. And, and that means in first place or, or, or in order. It, it's this... This garment, spiritual garment of love, is more important than all the other things because it'll help generate all the other characteristics that we just talked about. It helps tie it all together. And the kind of love here is, once again, the agape type of love. It's the God type of love. It's, it's the love that we offer to someone, that we do it based upon grace. It's the charity type of love. Not that they deserve it because we didn't deserve God's love, but we offer that to them. And then he said, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, some of the words that he used there when he said, which binds, that, that means a joint or ligament. Uh, it, it means a band or a ligament or a shackle or in, an impediment or disability. 
And it's used figuratively for, uh, for a uniting principle or a controlling principle in, in our lives. So he, he's telling us that we need to let love be like a joint, uh, a love in, in our lives. God's love in our lives is the thing that ties it all together. It brings it all together. All those other characteristics that we talked about a moment ago, they are brought together. They're tied together better, just like our, our body is held together by joints and ligaments. Uh, guys, also having this kind of love ties us together as believers because we're the body of Christ. And, and the love that God wants us to have toward each other, that ties us together. Just like our joints and our ligaments hold our physical body together, uh, allowing the, the love of Christ in our lives to rule and reign in, in our lives. That, that helps us to, to be bound together as believers. It's like a band that holds something together. He said it's like a shackle. And I think of a shackle, and I'm sure here Paul means that, that love needs to be a shackle to us and hold all these other things together and like shackle us together. But I thought of shackle in another way also, because when, when you think of shackle or, you know, being in shackles or being in prison, that kind of restrains you from doing some things. And guys, maybe we need to look at it like this also, the love of God in our lives, the love of Christ in our lives ought to kind of shackle us and hinder us from doing some things in our lives that we shouldn't do. It, it, it even meant to have a, uh, an impediment of some type or, or disability is how that word is used. So maybe we ought to view it like this. The, the love of Christ, the love of God active in our lives should impede us. It should hold us back. It, it should be like a disability to where we can't walk in that direction. We can't do some things that maybe we're tempted to do because of the love of God in our life impedes us from those things. We might need to view having the love of God bound in our lives in, in that way. God's active love in our lives produces and holds together these characteristics that we're talking about. God's love, that's why he says it's most important. It, it has produced and helps hold together to our lives, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, putting up with one another, forgiving each other as Christ forgave us. Let me try and try to illustrate that a, a, a little bit. I've I've never, I'll be honest with you guys, I've never had this happen a lot with me because when it comes to going and buying clothes, I just kind of look at something and think, yeah, I, I think I kind of like that. It looks okay. Uh, you know, may, maybe it hides some extra pounds or whatever like that. And I think, all right, I'm good with it. Let's buy it. But I have also been out with some uh, ladies like my wife or my daughters when they're shopping. And, and it's like they're trying to piece a, an outfit together. <laughs> And they're trying this on, and they're trying that on, and they kind of like it, but it's not really what they want it to be. And, and then they kind of find something else to add in to that full dress. And they add that in, and all of a sudden, wow, you know, it looks exactly like they want it to look. So it's like they found the missing piece that they needed to make this dress, this outfit, all work together. I think that's a little bit what Paul is saying here. God's love is the missing piece. It's like the missing link. You, you can go out and practice all of these other things legalistically. You can go out and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have compassion toward people. And, and you can say, I'm going to be kind and practice humility, meekness, patience, and, and I'm going to put up with other people. I'm going to forgive other people just like Christ forgave me. 
But if you're just doing that like some legalistic rule, there's a missing piece that's going to keep it from ringing true in the lives of others and in your own life. And that missing piece is love, the love of Christ ruling in our lives, the love of Christ being active in our lives, because that's like that, that missing piece that ties all of an outfit together. For a person when they're shopping, God's love active in our lives is that missing piece that helps tie all of these things together. It's the missing element that makes it work. You see, as, as Christians, you, you've heard this phrase before, dress to impress. Well, as Christians, we need to spiritually dress to impress. But being dressed just on the outside, just practicing these characteristics on the outside is not really what we need. What we need is be authentic with these characteristics, this spiritual dress that we're talking about. And in order to be authentic with that, we, we have to truly represent what is in us. So we're going to move on to, to the second main thought today. Yes, we need to get dressed spiritually, but, but number two, that needs to be from the inside out. <laughs> you, you can't just take all these principles I just talked about, all those characteristics that I just talked about, and, and just hang them on your body and just legalistically or in the power and the energy of your own flesh have these things that you're going to practice. Instead, we need to get dressed spiritually from the inside out out. And, and guys, this is the peace of Christ internally ruling. We talked about the peace of Christ externally ruling, but now let's look at the, the peace of Christ internally ruling in verse, verse 15 through 17. Those eight characteristics that we just talked about, those eight characteristics that we're to put on that we just looked at in verse 12 through 14, when we do so, that will generate more peace in our hearts individually and corporately as a church. If you and I will authentically dress ourselves with a spiritual dress we talked about, those eight characteristics, that's going to help generate more peace in our lives as individuals. And as we practice that corporately, it'll generate more peace within the church, within the body of Christ corporately. But also, I want to kind of reverse engineer that for a minute. You understand what it is? You, you take something that's already put together and you kind of dissemble it and look at it, you know, to see how it all works. Let's kind of reverse engineer that for a moment. More peace being generated in our hearts by putting on those eight characteristics. If we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we'll also more easily display those eight characteristics that we can put on. Let, let me restate that. <laughs> you can put these things on, practice these characteristics in your life, and that'll bring about more peace. The flip side of it is reverse engineering it. If we're letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we'll more easily also be able to put on those eight characteristics is what I'm saying because the peace of Christ is ruling in our lives. So let's look at inner peace just for a minute. To, to begin with, inner peace begins with Christ. It begins with Christ. Does it begin by you working it up? It doesn't begin to, uh, in your life authentically by going to some uh, uh, a seminar somewhere, some life improvement seminar about getting more peace in your life? Real peace, inner peace, begins with Christ. He, he said in the first part of verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, or which you're called as one body. 
Someone as well said, and I don't know even if we understand or know where this statement came from. I've just heard it over and over again through the years. No Christ, no peace. And by that, I'm, I'm saying no to start with. N-O. No Jesus, then no peace in your life. But if you state that like this, but no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus and no peace. If you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not going to have peace in your life. But if you do authentically really know Jesus, then, then you can authentically have peace in, in your life. As I said last week, you will not really, really have true peace in your life until you invite the Prince of Peace into your life. Until you trust in him, you invite him to come in and sit on the, the throne of your heart and allow the Prince of Peace to rule in your heart. That way you can have peace in your heart. Allow King Jesus to rule your heart and life individually in a person's heart. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. But think about that individually to start with. The word for let and the word for rule in the Greek are the exact same word. And it means to arbitrate or to govern or to rule. The root word is a word that most of you really can relate to in this day and time. The root word is a word that really means to umpire. And it gives the idea of someone calling a game, up in a game, and then whoever wins it, that umpire's going to maybe you know, give a reward at the end of it by saying, hey, you, you won that, that game. So, so he's saying, let, let peace rule. Let being joined together with God, knowing you're at peace with God, let that rule in your hearts. And in that phrase, in your hearts, means in a fixed position. Let the peace of God rule in your thoughts, your feelings, in the very middle is what the, the Greek word kind of means, in the very middle of your very being, the fiber of your being. You're allowing the, the peace of Christ to rule there. You're, you're allowing the peace of Christ to be the umpire in your life, to call your life to call the way you ought to live your life, to call out whenever you've got an infraction. We, we need to let God's peace to rule and guide our lives like that in a fixed position. It's something that, that he does in us. And by doing so, we'll have more peaceful lives if we'll allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts as a fixed position because that's what in your hearts means in a fixed position allowed to take place. And doing so will give us more peaceful lives. But it'll also generate more peace in the, in the body of Christ and the church as a whole. So think about it corporately also. Allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, the plural form there. It says, to which you were called. You, you were called with a loud voice by God. You were ordered, more or less, is, is what the root word means. You've been ordered or commanded to allow the peace of Christ to rule in one body. And guys, this tense of a fixed position shows up a lot in, in this passage of Scripture today. So he's telling us as individuals and as the corporate body of Christ, we're to be allowing the peace of Christ to rule in a fixed position in our body as a sound whole. Think how much more the church would be a sound whole if we would all be allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our lives. And, and all those characteristics we talked about a minute ago would be, would be holding us together closer as a sound whole. As individual believers, we're called 
to be corporally part of the body of Christ, his church. And as his body, we're also to let peace rule. If we're his church, the Bible talks about Christ being the head of the church. So, guys, we need to let him control our, our lives, control the, the church corporately. And by doing so, it'll generate more peace in our lives. Think about how strange it would be if you were out here walking down the street somewhere, and all of a sudden you see this fellow coming your direction on the street, and, and you notice he's punching himself in the face. <laughs> He's walking down the road, and I don't mean like he just kind of smacked himself on the head because, you know, he's frustrated about something. I, I mean, you're, you're meeting this fellow on the sidewalk, and he's literally just pummeling his face. I mean, he's just, he's just hauling back, and he's hitting himself as hard as he can over and over and over again. Man, that'd be pretty strange, wouldn't it? You, you might even think, I think I'm going to go the other way because I'm not sure if he may not start punching me instead, what in the world is making this fellow act like that, punching himself in the face? You see, if we're not careful, that's the way the church looks. Because when we have infighting and we have hateful spirits and we display the wrong things in our lives, we kind of look like to the lost world that we're just punching ourselves in the face as the body of Christ. And then we wonder why they are going the other way instead of being attracted by the gospel and attracted by the message of Christ because we kind of look like to them that weird guy walking down the highway punching himself in the face and they don't want to have anything to do with that. That's why it's so important that we allow the peace of Christ to be ruling in our hearts as individuals but also be letting the peace of Christ to rule in the corporate body of the church so we will be able to practice those characteristics we talked about earlier and, and look more and more like Jesus, look more attractive to a lost world. So inner peace begins with Christ, but inner peace also becomes this. It becomes a displayed peace. If we're allowing his peace to really rule in our hearts, it'll pop out in some ways that other people will see. So earlier we talked about eight spiritual garments that were putting on. Now I want us to kind of look at five things here after I read verse 15, the second part of verse 15 through verse 17. We're going to look at, at, at five things that ought to be naturally popping out in our, in our lives from within us. He says, begin the second part of verse 15, after he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He said, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. So let's look at how inner peace, authentic inner peace, being at peace with Christ and allowing his peace to rule in our lives will we'll display peace in five, five ways. Number one is this, being thankful. Being thankful. He said, and be thankful. The, the word be means cause to generate. And guys, the importance and significance of that is this, because you may be sitting there thinking, well, preacher, it's easier for you to say be thankful. I don't feel very thankful. Well, that's why you need to cause it to be generated in your life. <laughs> you 
You need to focus upon all that Christ has done for you and allow that relationship you have with Jesus to cause you to be thankful, to cause it to take place, to where you understand how well-favored you are. That's what the word thankful is. You recognize, hey, I am well-favored because of the gospel. I am well-favored because of the grace of God. And, and you practice thanksgiving in your life. The number two thing that ought to be displayed in our lives by letting God's peace rule in our lives is this. We're to be rich in God's word. He, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means that we're letting the word of Christ inhabit us, to dwell in us. Once again, in a fixed position, we're allowing God's word, the word of Christ to live in us in a fixed position. The, the things that Jesus said, the, the, the divine expression that who Jesus is even, we're to let that rule in our hearts, dwell in our hearts in a fixed position. And he said that we're to let it rule in us richly. Once again, it means in a fixed position. We're to be allowing the word of Christ to rule in us richly. And that means abounding in wealthy, not in material riches out here, but we're to be rich because of the word of Christ, because of who he is and because of what he has said. The guys were to use God's word that's in us. It's not just to, for us to sit back and say, oh, I, I'm rich in, in, in the word of God. I'm rich in the word of Jesus. We're to use it. Because look at the third thing that ought to come forth from peace ruling in our hearts. We, we need to use God's word. He, he said, let it dwell in you richly, but then you need to be doing something with it. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This talks about intentionally teaching the words of Christ. In other words, we're to use the Bible to put each other in mind of some things that Jesus has said. When we get off track, we're to, in a loving way, communicate that to other people. We're to intentionally teach people, admonish people. We're, we're to correct them in, in, in a gentle way. And we're to do so in all wisdom, it says. And that, once again, means in a fixed position of clear wisdom, which implies this. We've got clear wisdom from the words of Christ. We have clear wisdom from the Word of God. And we need to, to use that as we teach and we admonish each other. The fourth thing that ought to be naturally kind of coming from the inside out on our lives because of us allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts is to be singing with thankful hearts. He said, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. With thankfulness, he says, and in a fixed position of thankfulness, we're to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'll admit it's been a little bit different for us as we've been here online because we don't get to hear you sing along with John. I'm, I'm thankful for the giftedness that, that God's given John in, in, in music and, and also in, in singing and spiritual wisdom and things like that. I'm thankful for the giftedness that Daryl has. But it's still not quite the same. John's over here at the side, and I, I'm sure he'll agree. It's not quite the same. He's up here singing, and, and we're not hearing you. And hopefully they'll change before long. But you know what? Right in your home, what you ought to be doing <laughs> when we're doing this online worship service, right in your home, you ought to stand up and worship. You ought to stand up and sing. 
And, and, and some of you, maybe you don't even do it while you're here because you're thinking, well, I'm afraid what the person will think about the way I sound, the things that they're singing beside of me. Well, guess what? You're in your home right now. <laughs> You don't need to worry about who hears you. God's the one that's important anyway. Whether you're here or at home, you need to sing with thanksgiving. So do that during this time as you're there at home and be, be singing with thanksgiving in your hearts. And that phrase, once again, means in a fixed position. In a fixed position, be singing with thanksgiving because of the, of the gracious influence the gospel has had upon your heart, resulting in, in gratitude. In a fixed position in your hearts, he's saying you ought to be gracious, you ought to be thankful, and you ought to be singing about it. The fifth thing that he mentions here <clears throat> that ought to naturally come from within our lives as we let the peace of Christ rule in our lives is this. It's our mission in life. Our mission in life. Because Paul wrote these words under divine inspiration. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, whatever or whatsoever you do, depend on your translation. I looked it up. He literally meant that. Whatever it is you're doing, any person, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, whether it be in words, something you're saying, or something you're doing in action. Whatever you do, do everything. I looked that up too. The word literally means everything, to do it all. To do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do it in a fixed position underneath the authority and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way we ought to live our lives. Your goal in life, my goal in life, our mission in life, if we decide to accept it. You remember that from Mission Impossible? Some of you might think, well, man, it's impossible for me to go. No, it's not impossible. If you know Christ is your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And whatever you do, whatever you do, if you're sweeping a floor somewhere, in your mind, do it for Jesus. If you're, if you're working a job out in a factory somewhere, you don't have to be on a stage preaching a message to do something for Jesus. Whatever you do in your mind, look at that as being your mission field, and you're there on mission for Jesus wherever you are. And whatever you do, in deed or whatever, in word and everything, do it in a fixed position based upon the authority and the character of who Jesus is, giving thanks to God as you serve him, as you do all whatever you do in the authority in the name of Jesus, do it also giving thanks to God, being grateful, expressing gratitude toward God. The, the same word was even used to, to pray in at a meal, to say grace at a meal. So maybe think of your life like this. Whatever you're doing, just as maybe when you sit down to a meal and you take time to pray before you receive that meal, have that same attitude with everything you do in your life as though that is a blessing that you're doing toward God, that you're serving Christ in everything and whatever that you do. So our mission, if we decide to accept it, as I said a moment ago, is to do everything as a mission action for God. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, Whatever you do, do it in the character of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's what it means, in his name, in his authority, in his character. Do whatever you do for him. So this morning, if you're a Christian, 
If you have trusted in Christ, you've trusted in his finished work on the cross, you, you, you've given him your life, what you need to do is be sure you're letting him rule in your heart. Be sure you're letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart. We need to do that as individuals. We need to do that as a church, as a body of Christ corporately. We need to let our king rule. We need to let him sit upon the throne, guys. He's the head. We're not. He, he's, he's the head of the church, the body. We're not. We need to let his peace rule in our lives and be in control in our lives. And that includes the peace of Christ ruling our actions and attitudes as individuals and as the church. If you're not a Christian, before you will ever really experience the peace of Christ ruling in your heart, you have to first admit you need him. You have to first admit, God, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. You have to invite Jesus, that Prince of Peace that I've talked about, to come into your life. You need to trust in his finished work on the cross for your sins. And after you do so, along with all the rest of believers, guys, we need to get spiritually dressed. We need to put on the characteristics that make us look more and more like Jesus. We need to put on characteristics that help us generate peace in our lives. And we need to allow that peace of Christ to help generate those characteristics in our lives because we can't do it in the strength of our flesh. It comes from inside what he has done in us. We need to be spiritually dressed from the inside out by trusting Christ as our Savior. And that means the peace of Christ ruling in our lives as a result of his peace ruling, we display authentically peace and what peace looks like for the world to see. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we pray this morning that you would uh, help us, first of all, as believers, because God admittedly, in these days that we're in, it's easy for us to become discouraged. It's easy for us to become depressed or despondent. It's easy for us to allow the situation that we're in with this pandemic or people's employment or their finances or God, whatever it might be, it's easy to let something else rule in our hearts other than your peace. The Father, I pray for believers right now. Father, refocus us. Help us to understand that we're to put on who we authentically are now as believers. We're to put on the new man. We're to put on these characteristics in our life because you called us because you set us aside. You've made us holy because you love us, because of all that you've done for us as believers in Christ. We need to spiritually dress ourselves with these characteristics in an authentic way to where the peace that's in our lives is, is, is generating from the inside out. The Father, help us right now as believers to, to refocus, help us to, to display your peace that's in our lives for others to see. But Father, I, I also pray this morning for those that have never trusted Christ. God, help them understand the only real answer to their discouragement, the only real answer to their guilt because of their sin, the only real answer to their eternity, the only real answer to them being forgiven is for them to trust in Christ as Savior. 
But Father, right now, those that are watching, I pray right now that they would admit to you that they've sinned. They would agree with you that they're sinners and they can't save themselves. Father, they also would agree by faith with you that, that, that Jesus fully died on the cross and fully paid for their sin. And their only hope, their only pathway they have to forgiveness, the only pathway they have to a relationship with you is by admitting their sin, repenting of their sin, turning from their sin and turning to you, and trusting once and for all in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen. We pray right now that uh, you will do what we just talked about, what we just prayed. Pastor John's going to lead us in an invitation song. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not be honest and transparent? God knows. Don't worry what someone else might think. All of us here, all of us pastors here, we had to admit that we were lost in sin, and that we couldn't save ourselves. All the believers that are watching with you right now, they had to admit the same thing. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not now, why not this morning, admit to God that you are lost in your sin, you can't save yourself, and pray and trust Christ as your Savior, and then put that in your comments underneath this video, this live feed. And reach out to us and let us know you've done so, so we can engage with you and walk beside you and help you some as you start to grow as a Christian. And I want to encourage those, especially those that are watching with Day 3 Church, if you would admit you've not been led in the peace of Christ rule in your heart, why not post that there also so we can pray for you. After this service is over, we will go through what you've put there and we will pray for you. So let us know how we can pray for you. It's so important to put on that spiritual clothing, but it requires the Holy Spirit's work inside of us as well. Is Christ the boss of your life? Is your heart ruled by his peace? Maybe you realize today that you need him. We encourage you to reach out to the Lord in prayer. Jesus is listening and waiting for you to come to him and receive his gift of peace. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Lynn, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. We're here to help. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstance, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.